Hello and welcome to the ETOF 21 Sports Show for January 2nd. How is everyone doing? My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF 21 Sports. We have an absolutely loaded episode for you today. My boy Chase, aka the Wolf of Oakland, host of the Notorious OTP podcast. He's going to be stopping by. Him and I are going to look back at week 17, share our week 18 bets. Plus, my boy Gino will have his horse racing by the day from Gulfstream Park. Before we jump into all that, I'm going to say thank you to the sponsor of the show, Parlay Play. If you're not using Parlay Play, you are really missing out. Go to Parlay Play. Use the promo code NFL Betting Blitz for 100% deposit match. If you are watching on YouTube, link to that is in the description below. Now let's see what our boy Gino has a cooking for us over at Golf Stream Park on Saturday. Have a best bet for this week. It's going to come on Saturday at Gulfstream Park. Now, since it's early on in the week, the odds for this race have not come out yet. But I picked out a horse that I will not be favored. It's a pretty wide open race. And uh, this is a horse who I think we have a few different reasons to take a look at. So let's move to race number nine on the card at Gulfstream Park on Saturday. Like always, we're taking a look at the daily racing form, past performances, drf.com if you ever need any help handicapping the races. Horse I like in here is Yada. This is a three-year-old filly, and she's never really run a bad race. Um, if you look at all of her races going long on the grass, right here, what she's doing, she's a closer, so she needs a little pace to run at. And in her last two races, both of those races were won by horses that went gate to wire. So there was no passing in those races. She needs a setup in order to win. You'll see she always comes running. She's very consistent. But if they don't go fast enough early on, she's going to have to settle for a minor award. I think with this big field, there seems like there's a lot of speed in here. Let's look at some of the horses in here who could be pretty quick. You have Omaha Girl. Even a horse like Madame Mischief could be forward. The place from the inside. Same same type of style for Dancing and Dixie. Uh, Ozara wants to be close. Time to Dazzle is quick. You have uh, Waskaisu, who's also very quick. San Pantaleo is quick. Buttercream Babe. You, you see what I mean here? Independence Avenue, very fast early. You've got Golden Ghost, who wants to be forwardly placed. Same thing with Life is an Audible. All these horses want to either be on the lead or sitting really close. If they're all jockeying for position, it could be a really nice setup for a horse like Yada, who has not gotten those nice setups in the last couple races. Back on September 30th, was in a photo for second at Laurel in a stakes race and ran really well that day too. Kind of a wide trip caught up with her. I think she fits very well in here. So let's keep an eye on Yada. She'll be a nice price on Saturday at Gulfstream Park in race number nine. Good luck. Make sure to give my boy Gino a follow at it's me Gino B on Twitter. Now let's welcome the guest, the special guest this week, my co-host on the college football tailgate, the man, the myth, the legend, Chase, aka the Wolf of Oakland. Chase, how are you doing today, my friend? Good, good. Thank you for having me as always, and uh, happy New Year. It's a uh, gl glad to see you in twenty four. Good, my good sir. Happy New Year to you too, my friend. We're talking a little bit off air. Um, I'm dealing with the uncle life with four kids under 10, a completely whole new world for me. And uh, just talking about that and, uh, you know, just I'm a, more tired, I'm more bitter. I feel old. I feel old right now, my friend. Um, yeah. Yeah. You haven't you haven't started yelling at everyone to just go to sleep yet, though, which is. Uh, yeah, I have it. 
what you have a, fr- a freak out and insist that everyone go to bed is is really whatever you you hit the the full full blown time with kids. Now, before we jump into it, um, we're getting a lot of questions about the college football games from yesterday. Sports facts, thoughts on Washington versus Michigan. I hate the Lakers. Jesus was I don't know, what a cock tease from Texas yesterday. Um, let's make some money. Does Washington have a chance? First of all, what did you think of the games yesterday? And um, quick two cents about the national championship game. Sure. Uh, the first one, I guess, will go with the Rose Bowl. Uh, the Alabama should have won that game. That was terrible play calling by Tommy Reese. Uh, and also just Jalen Milrow, Milrow wasn't great. And, like, I don't know, it kind of looked obvious that once they wanted to start taking away what Milrow could do, which is, like, step up in the pocket and then run up the middle, that's whenever they, you know, their running back was able to start bouncing it outside just routinely and start eating up yards. And then they just stopped doing it. They just stopped doing the thing that was successful. It's something like Matt LaFleur always does, which is like does something that works really well and then just completely forgets about it for games on end. Um, and then in the other one, I mean, it was a it was a barn burner. I, I, I think I feel like Michael Penix should have won the Heisman, like just in terms of because of him being on on a good on a good team. Uh, I, I, I thought, you know, Washington deserved to win. They played well. They, they almost let Texas back into it. It was exciting as you thought it would be. And at least we didn't have a blowout this year. Say what you want to about how the matchups came apart, came together, but, uh, we had two really competitive games. So that was entertaining. Um, quick thoughts on Washington versus Michigan. It's looking at four, four and a half on the spread line. Yeah, I I take Washington on the money line, honestly. I, I don't even mess with the points um, because the odds are there for it. And then, two, uh, I'm thinking of what dominated has dominated Michigan the last two years in the college football playoff, and that's teams with just big freak wide receivers out on the perimeter that can either A, block, or B, uh, run roughshod through that secondary. Uh, I'm thinking of like what Georgia was able to do to them on the perimeter. Uh, and then I'm also thinking of what uh, TCU was able to do with their, you know, wide receiver crop of NFL talent uh, that they had last year. And so I think that Michigan might actually have a lot of problem with it, but I also think that styles make fights and it's going to be a really good one. If I swing, I just go ahead and I swing all the way and I, I take Washington on the, on the money line because I've, I've never been a Harbaugh believer in Michigan and I'm not going to start being one now. Um. My two thoughts are: I have no idea what that fourth call, fourth down play call was from Tommy Reese from Alabama in overtime. No. It was just absolutely mind-boggling. I do think Burton broke off his route a little bit too early on the play before that. Um, Alabama dominated that second half. Gutsy play call to go for it, but there's a lot of just missed coverages from Alabama. Stuff I really, yeah. really haven't seen for in the um, on the defensive side. Washington and Texas, the main thing that stood out to me was Texas did have success running the ball, but they couldn't generate enough stops where they could stay with the run game. And I think to me, that's that's the game right there. If Michigan's able to play with the lead, get the run going, I don't think Washington can win. But if Washington can get that early lead and force Michigan to play a little fast and not lean on that run game, I think Washington has a chance. Um, I also think Ewers got hurt. Did you see that hit he took where he hit his head against the ground? See, I couldn't figure out what was going on because, it, it, like, Arch Manning was warming up, but then it also looked like 
no one was like, you know, he was still coming out and playing, but I couldn't tell. Like, I, I was like, does he just have a stank attitude? Like, is this like uh, Quinn Ewers resting bitch face? But it, it was like, I get like that explains it more than anything that I could think of. That hinted heart like he got stacked and his head bounced off the ground and that ground at uh, Caesars Superdome, whatever the hell it's called, um, is not forgiving. Um, so I kind of think he got a little a little banged up. There was some stuff opened up off the middle. He missed some um, throws at the end. Plus, what was the board doing? Like there was some like that game should have been over. Like Texas yeah, run, run the, got the ball back. Run the and ball, it, even even if it's not your bread and butter, you still run the ball there. And it was one of those things. Like I'm here watching. I had the second half under, but I also had Texas minus three and a half. So I'm like right. I'm winning. I'm winning one of these two bets. Right. And the, the same thing happened in the first game. Like I hit my first half under right. because of the missed snap yeah. on the touchdown. But I also didn't hit my Alabama plus two and a half because it went to overtime. So it's one of those joyous worlds of the uh betting on college football. I, I managed to make out like a bandit in the with the citrus bowl and the the three early games. Uh and so I put a lot into the Alabama game later and an Alabama Washington uh, money line parlay. And basically, like I still I had a really good day. I would have had an amazing day if Alabama would have held on to win, but still managed to to hit Washington on the money line straight up afterwards for you know a little baby get back. You know, nothing, nothing big. That's nice. That's nice. Hey, man. Anytime you end up in the green is good. I was in the red yesterday, and unfortunately, by, it's looking by the good. way, so the red. sports facts here I think might have the question of the uh, yeah. Did you see Sark's wife, Miss L'Oreal uh, Sarkeesian? Yes, she is a vixen. She's uh, she's a dime that's top of the line. Yes, you face slim waist with a big behind. She she is it. Uh, this is this is my favorite guy. Old man complaining about Detroit sports. <laughs> um, Mount Pleasant's finest, Maddie L. Yeah, Lafleur is from Mount Pleasant. I hate the Lakers. Thanks for the fantasy advice, Jeff Dean Williams. BTW won my fantasy league because of him. Kyron Williams. We talked about it last week, Chase. Um, let me hear your two cents on this. Everyone gets all hyped up about who should I take in the first round? Who should I take in the third round? And second round. Fantasy football drafts are one, four through six. I made the finals of one league. My four, my draft picks, round four was Mike Williams. Round five was Michael Pittman. Round six was Kyron Williams. I'm not making the fantasy football championship if I don't have those guys. I went, so I went Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown, one, two, which A.J. Brown, you could be seen as a reach at that point, but I really wanted to stack them up. But I agree with you because my next, like, couple picks and further down were, like, Travis Etienne, and Jameer Gibbs. And those were, you know, players that, that, cause I ended up winning my fan, won my fantasy league yesterday. It was just a fantastic day yesterday. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I ended up with, with those kind of being my bell cows for the, for the, at least the second half of the year. Yeah. It's, I mean, that was, that was a good draft um, for sure. Um, Unless your league is like 16 players deep, like you're all going to get a good player in the first two rounds. What I want to get in is I want to get a in a guillotine league. I've never been in a guillotine league. That's what I want to get in. I don't even know what that is, to be honest. That is, we draft our teams, and if you lose, 
you're out. Okay. So like we, we draft our team after first week, let's say you don't win your game. You're out. Every player on your team is now a free agent. Nice. Nice. I I th- had, do they call them like zombie leagues too? Something yeah. like that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I've heard about it then. Okay. That's, it sounds fun. I kind of think that college football should exist like that too. Like you get like just straight up. It's like the purge, like each, mm-hmm. each week, like you, you know, and I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, net on my 2024 bucket list, I did not have changing a diaper while talking to Dave Weaver about fantasy football simultaneously on my list of stuff I'd accomplish. That's, uh, (laughs) that's quite the multitask there, my man, quite the multitask. Um, Now we're here to talk some week 17 takeaways, interesting week, um, you know, let's. I'm interested to see what you have to say about it, man. Let's uh, start it off. What is your first takeaway, my friend? I I gotta say, I I know that the players hate it, but I love it, and it's that they've added this extra game and they expanded the playoffs, and now it's like not only do week 17 games like really matter, but the week 18 games are really going to matter. So like, I was just watching Red Zone, enjoying like all the all the you know different scenarios as they were like unfolding live and everything like it's so it's so fun to watch now like you need a roadmap to to figure out some of these playoff scenarios so i i say kudos to the nfl for that even though i know it's not really beneficial to the player i like the fact that there's so many teams still alive i don't know if you remember there was a couple years ago they tried to make week 17 they try to have these standalone games and everything and this is before there was the week 18 everything was summed up there was no yeah. Sunday night football game because everything right. was summed up. You right. look at the teams that are still alive. There's a excuse me, a lot of teams still alive, which make it for an interesting week 17, excuse me, week 18, which opens up some great gambling insight. My first takeaway is this death, taxes, and the Detroit Lions always getting screwed. As someone that's been a Lions fan, as noticed by the new Lions hat. Thank you, Santa. I'm so used to us getting screwed. I don't know if you remember, we're in the playoffs against Dallas. There was a PI, flag was thrown, picked up. Des Bryant was on the field with no helmet on. That should have been a personal foul, too. Yeah. yeah. Nothing called. And then with what happened Saturday night, there is absolutely no exception. I don't know if people realize that. It before every game, the officials go into the room with the, with the coach, and if there's any trick plays, anything going on, the coach runs over the scenario. So Brad Allen and his staff knew that that trick play was going to happen. Right. They knew that was on the market. Right. And then there is Taylor Decker walking over after Jared Goff said go report. Yeah. And Allen looking right at him. And then you have – and there's no video evidence that Skipper said anything, none yeah. at all. I don't understand how you can mess something up that bad and there'd be no repercussions. None I, at all. And the fact I, that they're getting a Saturday night standalone game again. Why aren't these guys on buried on Jets? Patriots. Right. Why are they getting a standalone game with playoff implication? And another well, thing. 
Another, uh, and she's more. not getting his full crew for the gate. Like I, I hear they're making they're making him the 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 head referee like swap swap out some of his crew. Like it's not gonna be the same crew or something. Like like it was oh, their well, problem. I mean, that's I mean, that's I think I heard that today. All I know is if I screw up at my job, I get fired. I'm a coach. There's been times where I've coached kids, and look, the relationship with me and the kid has just fizzled out and the parents have let me go coaching their kids, which was the right thing. I couldn't do my yeah. job anymore. Yeah. Alan is showing right now. There's a, a couple bad calls. There is the bad call um, in the Browns bears game with the roughing the passer not called. Now this, he should not be allowed to, to officiate in my eyes in the playoffs or anymore. And when he was in college, he was suspended because of some bad officiating when he was refereeing games. He just has a history of just not being good at his job. And one more thing I want to throw out there. All officials have the mics. Right. If what Alan was saying truly happened, you have to think that audio would have been released five minutes after the game. And then does not he have to say he has to say over the loud mic that this number, this number is reporting eligible, right? Well, oh no. Okay. It was like, he said that he reported eligible because, but because of how they lined up, it was some, I, I don't even, I will say uh Dan Skipper, proud Arkansas Razorback, gigantic Arkansas Razorback. Do, and then 97.1 is a radio station here in Detroit, not in Chicago right now, visiting my parents. And, um, what they, they had Campbell on today and Campbell was about ready to lose a gasket. The guy yeah, was dude. like, yeah, going for it for the seven. Kind of ballsy there, Matt. Why not just kick it? You know, and I don't know. I think I, I talked about this a couple weeks ago. I think Campbell does get caught up in the moment a little bit too much. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the right thing was to kick. But you're so caught up in the moment right there with the bad call. Yeah. That the emotions, that could have cost them a game. And I said it a couple weeks ago. His emotions are going to cost him a game. And you think about it, like, just kind of think about that game and the playoff repercussions now. Right. So, I don't know, I, man. I think that, you know, what's funny is to see Dan Campbell, like, call, like, a fourth down play, and then they go to a commercial, and it's Steve Mariucci or, or Kurt Warner talking to you about, like, setting limits and not chasing your losses. And that's all I could think was like with some of these, with some of these like zany, like fourth down plays, like if he doesn't get it, is he going to chase his loss with more like zany fourth down plays? I mean, I don't know if you remember it last year, they had one where they threw it to Penny Sewell coming out of the backfield. Right. You know what I mean? And I kind of get it. Like it keeps everyone engaged and that was a hell of a plague is all, but you should have just kicked the extra point. Just kicking. Yeah. And let's be honest, with how bad Detroit's defense is, they probably would have gave up a field goal on the next drive with 20 seconds left. For sure. I mean, yeah. Uh, Chase, takeaway number two, my friend, what you got? I think the Baltimore Ravens are, are peaking at the wrong time. I And I'm afraid that they're going through and they're kind of like Georgia-ing uh, teams right now but they're going to hit the playoffs and then it's going to be kind of like a, a fizzle out situation. And it's not like we haven't seen it before. I mean, think about Lamar his last MVP season. I say his last, cause I assume he's going to win it again this year, but think of Lamar last time he won the MVP. Uh, they have an amazing, he's got a home playoff game and then they just fizzle out inexplicably against C. Um, I, I'm worried that that could happen. And I've kind of started, I've come to the realization 
that like, yeah, sure. Yes. Stats matter. Stats matter and things, but it's almost like the, the management of like emotions and people's like emotional highs and lows and how the schedule is put together is, is, is more about is how the NFL works more than anything. It seems like to me. Um, let's make some money chimes in was just talking about this at work. Reminds me of the team that lost the Titans. Um, huge season had that by Tennessee came in and it's kind of going to be interesting. The Ravens are kind of in an interesting scenario. If Pittsburgh wins, that makes it harder for Buffalo to get in. Right. But do you want to rest your starters with the history of what you have? Because last time this happened, you lost. And there is a trend where if you don't play week one and you rest and you have that two-week bye, yeah, coming out sloppy. So it's going to be kind of interesting to see what Har- Harbaugh does. It. I have a play actually in this game. I'm going to be talking a little bit later. Um, but I agree with you. I think they're kind of peaking at the wrong time. And they're just here. You can only go there. You look at the team like the 49ers. They've had their ups and downs. Eagles are trending down a little bit more. Maybe they could turn it around. But you are right. And I know our friend XFL, or sorry, you what what is he calling himself now? I guess it would, he's he says he's always XFL Jim, but yeah, I guess technically he's UFL Jim for the moment. UFL Jim, um, UFL Jim does have the Ravens at a pretty good twenty to one, I believe he's sitting on. So um, I I locked in some futures today uh using the 40, just saying the 49ers basically were a foregone conclusion in the NFC. And doing the matchups, and I did them with uh, the Dolphins, the Ravens, and then the Browns. Uh, the I hope for the Browns, but if the if it ends up with the Ravens and 49ers, I still get back basically even money on my play between all three futures. So I'm cool with it because I, I do kind of think it's going to be the 49ers out of the NFC. Yeah, unless there's like a major in- injury coming up. I totally agree. Um, yeah. Sports facts chimes in. Do we hedge our bills future? Chase, for you who don't know, we are sitting on some juicy bills futures here. We have the bills 50 to 1 to win it all, 25 to 1 to win the AFC. Jesus, five, four to one to make the playoffs and 12 to 1 to win the the um, what are they in the north? So yeah. um yeah, I don't know. I I I'll be honest, I don't know if I'm gonna hedge it right now. I mean, it's an easy, easy hedge to make. But I don't think – I think I'm going to let it ride because my my thing on hedging is this. If it's not this life-altering money, right. don't do it. I, right. There's only one time I regret hedging. I had the Bucks at 100 to 1 to make it to the finals, 200 to 1 to win it all. That year they were up 2-0 on the Raptors. And I could have hedged out there, but I didn't. I let it ride because there were only there were two fifty dollar bets, so right. it wasn't like big life altering money. Exactly. Yeah. Like if you're if you're throwing thousands of dollars at these futures, there's probably a good idea to to hedge. Like if you're throwing like five ten bucks at these futures, no, don't hedge. Don't no, no. You can't. It's a horse racing saying. You can't bet them all. And when you're hedging, you're you're basically having to bet them all at that point. And it's just, you know, you can even get too cute with your hedges and still lose. So I just use the hedge calculator online for it is saying for my 50 to one that I hedged and put 50 bucks on. 
And right now I'm thinking the Dolphins are plus plus 145. It says the amount to hedge is $1,040.82. I'm not going to hedge that that amount of money. I'm just going to I'm just going to let it ride. Right. Um my second takeaway, I really need someone to explain to me like I'm a fourth grader what Arthur Smith is doing. That's what I need. I talked about it last week. Sean McVay figured it out. He's giving Puka, Cooper Cup, and Kyron Williams 70% of the touches the yeah. last the last four weeks. That's all he's yeah. doing. And because of that, they're winning games and they're a trendy team to make a run in the playoffs. Right. Bears are the worst team in the NFL by far defending the running back in the passing game. Why weren't you targeting Bijan Robinson more? Three receptions, 11 yards. Or giving the ball to Kyron to uh, Pitts, who they're bad covering the tight end. This was basically an elimination game for the Falcons. And Mikul Pruitt and Van Jefferson were getting the ball more than Kyle Pitts and Bijan Robinson in the passing game. Arthur Smith has been trying to be cute all year. It's cost the Falcons a must-win game. Yep. And the Falcons have a losing record with that much talent is awful. I will say this. If the Falcons make a coaching change, this is going to be a team I'm going to be investing in. But Arthur Smith is making this team underachieve, and there's no excuse with the amount of talent they have, why they have a losing record, and why they aren't running away with the South. Because the South is wide open this year. You can say what you want about how good Desmond Ritter is and anything, but like I will say if he had any chance to be good in the NFL, Arthur Smith is making making damn sure that like he's just completely breaking him. Like Desmond, like he's he wants to make sure Desmond Ritter is just done whenever whatever he he's done with him this season. I don't know, like it whatever, not even take you know, Taylor Heineke can resurrect you is 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 troubling. You know, because Taylor Heineke makes magic. Um, who's their quarterback next year? David Carr. <laughs> you think David David Carr is going to come out of retirement? <laughs> yes, the Falcons quarterback. It's him or Joe Montana. I was thinking about this. Okay, so in my head, I say Justin Fields. Justin Fields makes a lot of sense there, but. No, in my heart, my head thinks they're going to do something stupid and it's going to be Ryan Tannehill or Gardner Minshew. Those sound like distinct possibilities. I would even rule out Ryan Fitzpatrick at this point. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's just a Falcons thing to do. Like, right. Uh, it's right. Because the Bears, from what I'm hearing, the Bears are going to move on from fields, which I, which I think is a mistake. Like if you go in there, and you're going to be drafting around nine. You have, you don't have like that defensive pass rusher. If the kid from Florida State's going to be off the board, why not throw a one? You know, yeah. and get Justin Fields. Then you have your quarterback moving forward because obviously that's a missing piece. And I think the Browns, because of how good Skafanski is, is the exception to the rule that you need a quarterback in this league. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I completely agree. I mean, just look at who's contending right now. They're the teams that actually their quarterback has managed to survive the season. And uh, they have someone playing with the only exception being Stefanski and Flacco. Um, I think that, I don't know. I, 
I'm having a hard time summing it up with, with fields. I kind of feel like keep that number one pick and then take the best wide receiver off the board. Take Marvin Harrison Jr. Or if you have that guy, Washington, I mean, I think he, he could be just as good. Just oh. let's follow the, follow the blueprint of what uh, these other teams that are doing are doing, which is successful, which is drafting a, a Heisman caliber quarterback and then drafting his teammate the next year. And then it seems like you have a, you know, like that it just works. You have Burrow and Chase. You have, I guess, Hertz and Devontae Smith, kind of, uh, you know, that that mm-hmm. sort of thing. I think like the Bears need to get a culture. I know we're kind of pivoting to the Bears. The one thing Dan Campbell did was he was, you know, he's, he caught a lot of flack about the, he's like, you know, we're going to be the team that bites your kneecaps off, blah, blah, blah. But you kind of look at the players they've brought in. Yeah. Those are kind of the players that they are. You know what I mean? So, there's definitely a culture in Detroit and that's something like we haven't had for a while. And I know I just said, we, I meant they, that they haven't had for a while. Um, and I really think that's something the bears need to need to look at. Um, yeah. Matt Eberflus kind of looks like the dad on the sideline at a youth soccer, soccer game that gets arrested for insider trading like a couple of months later after the season. Um, I totally see that. I was at my nephew's playoff soccer game. Uh, big quarterfinals this uh, this Saturday morning um, coming up. And there's like a good dad there that kind of looks like Eberfuse, always on the phone, pacing a sideline, pacing hair slick back. Um, yeah. Chase, we've reached my favorite part of the show, the betting aspect. People watching for the first time, uh, I give three. Chase gives three. Chase is the guest. Chase, where are we going to first? I'm going to lead it off. With a team that has absolutely nothing to play for, which makes them dangerous. Uh, their their owner has been throwing drinks on people, apparently. Uh, give me the Panthers to cover the five against uh, the Buccaneers uh, at, you know, in, in this finale for them. Uh, I feel I'm kind of latching on to a theme, which is there. Someone's going to mess up somebody's season this last week. And I think I've got like three different shots to to try to to get that home uh, the, this this weekend. So I, I'm starting off with the Panthers plus five. Uh, I'm not going to go money line. I'm just going to dabble with the points, but you know maybe take a little sprinkle because you know Bryce Young. I mean, it's gotten a little bit better. They're still terrible, but uh, the Buccaneers have shown that they can be pretty bad at points too. I I believe it's sixty percent or fifty nine percent teams that need to win to get in. And this is one of my favorite angles. I love fading the teams that need to win to get in. I was a little upset because you beat me to the punch. You put this one in the notes before I did. I was all over the Panthers, and this is one of my bets. I absolutely love the Carolina Panthers this week against the um, against the Buccaneers. Surprising enough, who is the best quarterback second half ATS this season? I'm gonna guess it's uh, I'm gonna guess it's Bryce Young. So, shockingly, somehow it's Bryce Young. I have somehow no idea. it is Bryce Young. That is amazing. I have no idea how, but somehow it's Bryce Young. Um, my first bet, I'm going to Saturday night. I'm taking the Houston Texans. I got them at plus one and a half. Stroud is five and two ATS this year as a dog. Third game of the season, Stroud played this Colts team. Threw for 384, 64% completion percentage and two touchdowns. With the issues the Colts have in the secondary, I think that he's in line to have another good game because I don't trust this Colts defense. This Colts defense made the Atlanta Falcons look like the the old school 
St. Louis Rams, the greatest show on turf from back in the day with how much success they were giving. And I think the Houston offense is way more advanced than the Atlanta Falcons offense. Aiden O'Connell, 30 for 47, 299 yards and two touchdowns against this offense. Taylor Haneke, 22 for 33, 229 yards, one touchdown. Stroud's able to spin the ball better than those two. I think he's going to be able to eat against this Colts defense, Texans defense, I think he's going to be able to create enough pressure. I really don't think people understand what a good season Will Anderson is having. He's healthy now. Colts, a lot of people just assume Colts have a good offensive line. Historic, this offensive line isn't as good as it's historically been the past couple of seasons. So look, I'm going to take the Texans here. I'm getting the point and a half. I'll probably even look at take the first half under here just because in these elimination type games, teams like to play it a little close to the chest. And plus, I'm going to be honest, I know he's one of your favorites. I don't trust Gardner Minshew. I think Gardner Minshew sucks. So I'm going to look to fade Minshew here. Give me the Texans here. Oh, I, my love of Gardner Minshew has absolutely nothing to do with his football ability. It uh, it's all about the jorts and the mustache and the and the the salad. You know. <laughs> Chase, next bet, my friend. Where are you going? All right, uh, I'm once again latching on to my theme of fading teams that need a win. Uh, and I, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take the Bears on the money line plus 145 against Green Bay. How sweet would this be? Listen, Chicago already has the number one pick in their back pocket. They don't have to tank for it. They've already got their own first round pick. It's not really going to change very much, you know, based off what they win or lose. Uh, on top of that, I talked about how the, the NFL is an emotional league and everything. Well, you're coming off of like a Sunday night football game where they win against division rival Minnesota in a game to put them in this situation. And I sure as shit don't trust Matt LaFleur whenever it comes to a, a win or go home kind of game. So all of that puts together is, is leads me to go juicy money line dog. I see it too. I I like the Bears in this spot as well. Bears match up well. Jordan Love does throw a lot of balls off of his back foot. I think he's going to be prone for a pick. Bears defense is awful against the run. I think Fields and the running game is going to have their way. Plus, we don't know what's going on with Jameer Alexander. Is he going to be playing? If he doesn't play, who's going to guard DJ Moore? I'm going to be on the Bears as well. I'll probably just play the three just because I'm a chicken shit. Hopefully, it gets to three and a half. (laughs) <laughs> um my next one you know what i only have a couple more weeks left of doing these i got to make sure i get get my roots in give me the baltimore ravens here i got them at plus four i like week 18 because like you chase i like fading the teams that need to win to get in and that's where the steelers fall in um when you look at this matchup against the harbaugh versus tomlin dogs in this matchup are 23, 5, and 2. Right. 82% ATS. Mind-boggling. Harbaugh against Tomlin as a dog is 11, 3, and 1. 79% ATS. Tomlin as a favorite, he's only 35.2% ATS. We talk about every week. Favorite, we fade. Dog, we back. Tomlin on a two-game winning streak as a favorite is 5, 14, and 1. That's 26.2% ATS. I know most people will be thinking that the starters aren't going to play much here for the Ravens, but we need to remember, we talked about a couple a couple minutes ago, that year where they 
were the first seed, rested everyone, got the double bye, lost to the Titans. I think that's going to be in their mind. I think the first team is going to get some reps. I don't know if they're going to play a full game, but I think they're at least going to play a half. Also, the last couple of weeks, we've backed Mason Rudolph as a dog, and he's won me some money. It's time to get off. But this is time to get off the Mason Rudolph train. I mean, they're 15th in DVOA, and that's because of Mason Rudolph. That's how bad this offense is. They're up to 15th in DVOA because of Mason Rudolph. I don't trust him to be able to win with a margin over a field goal. Plus, we're starting to hear this is what made Tom, this is what makes Tomlin great. And I really don't think people realize this. You look at all the stuff with Antonio Brown, and he was able to keep that dude in check. All the stuff with Le'Veon Bell, he was able to keep that dude in check. All the stuff with Pickens and you know Deontay Johnson, able to keep those guys in check. Now you got Kenny Pickett refusing to dress because he doesn't want to be Mason Rudolph's backup. There's some issues going on in that locker room. It wouldn't surprise me if those guys just want to get the season done. I think Baltimore not wanting to have a repeat of that one year where they did lose in the second round because they rest everyone. They're going to play everyone. I'm going to play the, I'm going to play the trends. I'm going to play the situation. Give me the Ravens here. Plus the four. I like it. It's, it's one of those games where it's just like, I don't know who's going to play yet. I'm not sure what I want to say about this game, you know, on a, on a Tuesday night, like I might have better opinions about it by the time they get closer to, to kick off and you, they kind of, you know, we peek at who's going to play and everything. Uh, so I, I stuck with games that mattered and I stuck, uh, I, I went uncle Rico style with a small spread home dog uh, to, to, to finish it off, man. Um, that three, where are we going? I, I'm going to take Miami on the money line plus 140 versus your beloved Bills. Uh, I here's the deal. Okay, I know, I know that Xavier Howard is going to probably going to be out. Um, but I've seen Josh Allen throw plenty of interceptions to people who are not named Xavier Howard or Jalen Ramsey. I'm talking first string, second strings. String beans, like it doesn't matter who's back there, what string they are, he he will throw a pick to them. Uh, so I I'm not really that worried about that injury. Uh, Miami, yes, they have something to play for, but Buffalo's got something to play for here. Honestly, if this game were in Buffalo and I had the same situation that that Miami's getting, that I'm probably on the Buffalo side. Uh, I do think it's a little bit of a toss up, but since it's at home in Miami, uh, I'm going with Miami plus. Yeah, they just got monstered. This is the perfect spot to be back on the Dolphins, especially if they manage to get Mostert back and Waddle back. I really hope Waddle doesn't play because I have his under receiving yards. Um, maybe that's <laughs> me being selfish. But um, yeah. And another thing to kind of back your point here, um, teams that lost by 30 points or more, are 56% ATS since 2005 in the next game. When those teams are a dog chase, which Miami is, they are 60.1% ATS. When they are a home dog, they are 59.3% ATS. So there's a lot of trends that back, you know, Miami. But the bigger question is, we've seen this rise up, and I really feel the point is Buffalo is like a trendy team. Do you think we get a three and a half? Do you think we get a four with this? 
Possibly. I, I could see a movie. What's it sitting at right now? It's uh, three. three. It's at three. I, I honestly, yeah, uh, I could see it tick to a, to a three and a half. I don't think you see four. I, I, I got to think you. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm looking at the odds. Minus three is at minus 115 now, which means it's due to tick to minus three and a half. So I wouldn't actually rule out a four at this point. Yeah. On, um, on one book, it's at minus three at minus 119. That's that's that that's got all the makings of a of a line getting ready to tick of half point. One of the things that I've done where I've got ahead of the line movement is is I tend to look at an offshore when offshore tend to tends to drop that minus one fifteen on a side. Um, I really like that generally tends to be a mood a move and that minus one fifteen is actually on the plus side for Miami. So maybe we'll see it tick down. So you should definitely lock in that money line and the plus three sooner rather than later. My last bet, this is one for the year, last one of the year, because unfortunately they're done. Give me the Titans here, plus the five and a half. Vrabel is a dog, 58% ATS. Home dog, 60% ATS. Line of three or more, 63% ATS. Peterson laying three or more more on the road is 37.5% ATS. Jake's offensive line has been an issue all year. Lawrence is entering this game. He's not 100%. Jake's have allowed the 12th most sacks this year, and the Titans' defensive line is going to be able to get to him and create havoc against him. I know the Jake's have been good against the run this season, but you look at Henry's last three games, he's averaging 89 yards per game, 3.5 yards per carry. I think the Titans will be able to move the ball on the ground against the Jags. Also, look, We're hearing all these rumors this could be the band's last game. We're hearing Tannehill could move on. We're hearing Vrabel and the GM don't get along, and Vrabel could be looking to get out of his contract. Derrick Henry could be retiring. I think we're going to see a really concentrated effort because of how much this unit's been together, and this is kind of like their quote-unquote last hurrah. Plus, again, I like the fade teams that need to win. The Texans-Colts game will already be done by this time. And the pressure is going to be on the Jags to win because they need to win this game to get in. Also, one more trend, and it's the law of 17, my friend. Teams that have lost by 17 points, playing it by 17 or more, playing a team that has won by 17 or more the previous week, the team that lost by 17 is 68% ATS. It's ridiculous. It what it but but it's all about, you know, you touched on it earlier. This whole buying low, selling high. And that's what it is. You know, people are yeah. betting the NFL is a week to week thing. Right. You have to totally forget about what you learned last week. You have to focus on this week. And that's why we're able to get these inflated lines. And that's why I like the Titans here, plus the five and a half. I like it. I like it. You always learn something. Always learn something on this show. I know I do. Chase, I'd like to thank you for coming on, talking some NFL. Why don't you tell everybody about your notorious OTV podcast, when that is coming out, and what they can expect this week. Yeah, uh, check it out. I, I'm probably going to be rolling solo, solo this week and looking at uh, Oakland's uh, races, diving back into it after my, my Christmas break. But uh, you can find the notorious OTV, uh, which is my my baby, my horse racing podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Anywhere you get your podcasts, uh give the show a follow on on twitter at notorious underscore otb give me a follow you can always find me being abrasive on twitter at of oaklawn of oaklawn um and yeah man that's uh that's it this week you know just uh 
gonna be a desperado right riding fences on my own now you need to make sure you give my boy chase and jim a watch on the gymnasium and that is that going to come out monday or sunday this week uh i think it will be we should be getting back to sunday this week now that the the holidays have wrapped up and we're we're not on on sunday anymore and um chase myself and jim are live uh saturday mornings talking some college basketball Unfortunately, I'm not going to be here this week. I have a big eight and under youth soccer game indoor. Yeah. Sounds quarter- sounds like the semi. Oh, it's the quarterfinals. Okay, I thought quarterfinals. I thought he won the quarterfinals last time. No, 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 okay. no, no, no. Won the round of sixteen is in the quarterfinals, and I'll tell you what, dude. Yeah, it's kind of like when you watch these kids play, and like I love my nephew to death, but like you could just tell how competitive this kid is going to be in high school because he is yeah. so locked in and he'll give such a disgusted look if someone messes up. Yes. Love that kid. Such I was that kid. Yes. Look. Like so upset, disgusted, love the kid to death. He's like a little mini me. So I'll be there. Make sure to give my boy chase a follow at the wolf of Oakland on all of social media. And, uh, you know, make sure to check him and Jim out. I'll be back next week. Let's cash some tickets. Let's make some money. Until next week, boys and girls.